Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Come on. It's, it's 4th of July weekend. It's a beautiful Sunday outside. How are we doing today? There we go. Amen, amen, amen. Well, like Pastor Brandon said, uh, my name is Travis. We haven't had the chance to meet yet. Uh, my wife and I get the privilege of being here on the team at Oaks, and so it's so great to be with you uh, today. She sends her greetings, sends her love. Uh, right now, we have two currently napping babies at home, and so... Yeah, so she is, uh, she's holding down the fort, but uh, she says hello, sends her greetings as well. But uh, before we get started, I want to wish everyone a very happy 4th of July weekend. Obviously, we're in a crazy time in our world, but I think there's times we should celebrate that we're free, that we live in a great country. It's not perfect, but at the same time, we live in a great country. Thank you, Jesus, uh, for our freedom. And so if anyone who served in here in the room, we honor you today. Uh, if you're a family member of someone who has served, we honor you as well for your sacrifice, and we, we love you guys. But are you ready to get into the Word of God this morning? Yes? Anybody ready to be encouraged this morning? Yes? All right. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for the opportunity that it is to uh, gather together as your church, as your children. God, we are here not to hear from a, a man or a person, Jesus. We are here, uh, like that song says, that we would rest on us. Holy Spirit, thank you uh, that as I'm speaking, God, that Holy Spirit, you are speaking to the hearts of your children. God, we want to hear from you. God, change us challenge us, reveal yourself more to us. God, let us leave this place not just with an emotional high, but let us leave this place, Father God, uh, knowing that we have heard the word of the Lord and we are here to put it into practice. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen, amen, amen. I want to start off today's message with a confession. Is that okay? It's a safe place. I want to start with a confession. I don't like waiting for things. Uh, I don't like waiting uh, even when I, when I was a kid, I, I didn't like waiting for my birthday. I was born in December. And so it'd be like mid-March, mid-April, and I'm like going to my friend's birthday parties and going to their house for birthday cake and birthday presents. And I'm like, when is it my turn? I had to wait till December. Even Santa came too late for me. I'm like, when is it going to be Christmas? Even when I was a kid, I was like, I don't like waiting for things. And so even now as an adult, it's hard for me at times to start waiting. Anybody, you can agree with that? It's hard to wait at times for things. And like I said, waiting, it can be very, very difficult, except I got a lesson on what it meant to wait a few weeks ago. My wife and I were going to see some family near Houston. And so if you know anything about going to Houston, it's kind of one way in and it's one way out, north and south, okay? So we jump on 75, we're leaving our house, we've done our homework, like, hey, let's look at the traffic, let's make sure that traffic's okay. And so we jump on uh, the interstate, and we go basically around the traffic of downtown Dallas. And so we're like, we don't want to deal with that, let's go around the traffic. And so we go around downtown Dallas, we get on 75, it turns into Interstate 45. And again, remember, Interstate 45 really has no exits. Uh, except for maybe here and there. It's basically a two-lane highway almost all the way into Houston. And so we're driving, and we're cruising, y'all. We're like, oh, we're good. Life is good. We put on some music. We're jamming. 
going down the road, stopped at, I think, Whataburger, got something to eat. We're like, man, this is, this is a great trip. We're texting our family. Hey, we'll be there about 9.30. And so we're on the road to Houston, and so we're just cruising down the road. And the next thing you know, I look up and I see red and blue lights up ahead of me. I'm like, that's no problem. It's, off. it's a police officer. You know, probably just pulled someone over it. It's okay, no problem. Except I started to see brake lights start to appear all in front of me. Like one after the other, after the other, after the other. Again, hey, no problem. Hey, the officer's probably working on the side of the road. People are trying to get over in the one lane, let him do his thing. Except we came to a screeching halt. And so we would come to this stop and we didn't move for four hours. We went maybe one mile in four hours because there was an 18-wheeler that jackknifed on the road and had closed the whole highway down. A major accident, care flight comes in. And as a matter of fact, there was two accidents behind us that happened. And so here we are, you know, in this place where we can't go forward and we can't go backwards for four hours. And let me tell you, you find out how much you love Jesus when you are in the middle of the interstate. At one point, my wife literally got out of the car and stood in the road to see what was taking so long. Uh, I can tell you, no, uh, no derogatory language was used in the car. Thank God, we were praying. I was praying very aggressively like, Jesus, you gotta get us out of here. We have to get somewhere. We were waiting. You see, I, as I was getting ready for this morning, I thought back to uh, when I was a kid, back in the 90s. We used to have this uh, pizza uh, sign that I would see on cars, like if it's uh, 30 minutes or more, it's free. Remember that? 30 minutes, all the young people in the room were like, what are you talking about? Like, when were you born, for goodness sake? But uh, we used to order pizza on maybe a Friday night, and we'd call the number, and it'd say, if it's in 30 minutes or less, or 30 minutes or more, it's free. Nowadays, no way. Maybe you have 15 minutes. I don't care if you're in downtown Dallas. You get to McKinney in 15 minutes, or I'm not paying for it. 15 minutes, maybe 20, if I'm in a good mood. For all the teenagers, again, and the young people in the room, we used to have this groundbreaking, revolutionary technology called dial-up internet. And it was a wonderful thing. And so you turn on your computer, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna jump on the internet. And so you'd watch the bar on the screen go tick, 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 as the internet was loading. And so you had to sit there and wait and stare at the screen for the internet to come on and finally connect. Or maybe you had one of the fancy computers where your computer would do a little spin wheel on the screen, and you watch that wheel go round and round and round. You're like, before the Lord returns, please, can I have internet? And so you would connect to the, your, the internet, and so, but you couldn't go too fast, okay? You couldn't uh, click on things too fast. If you open the sports pages, but you wanted to go check out this new technology called AOL Instant Messenger, you had to close down one thing to open another thing. But if you went too fast, your computer would slow down on you. Anybody relate to that? And you'd watch your internet go from like high speed, what we thought was high speed, to now it's at a snail's pace. Nowadays, no way. You click on your smartphone, on TikTok, your favorite TikTok video, you jump on Facebook. If it didn't load in 30 seconds, you're like, man, the Wi-Fi here is terrible. What is going on? Why are we waiting so long? What kind of country do we live in? We can't get Wi-Fi in 30 seconds. Constantly waiting. Or maybe you relate to this one. 
Maybe it's a Tuesday, it's a family night, or it's a Friday night, uh, it's a, you're getting the weekend started, and you get your family in, in the car, you're like, hey guys, we're going to, to the holy anointed house of food known as Chick-fil-A. And you go there, and you load up your family, and you can just taste the chicken strips. Like, you're on your way there, you're like, thank you, Jesus. We praise you, God, for these holy and anointed, anointing oil-infused chicken strips I'm about to partake in. And you can just taste the waffle fries, and you're like, man, these waffle fries are going to just set my soul free right now. And you get in there, and you're like, oh, but the sweet tea. Good Lord, the sweet tea is infused with nectar that streams from the Lord's throne. And you're like, man, this, this sweet tea is going to be so, so great. And so you get your family in the car and they're excited and you're ready to get to Chick-fil-A and the next thing you know, you pull in the parking lot and the whole restaurant is packed out. There's nowhere to sit. And you look at the drive-through line and it's 10 cars deep. And so the next thing you know, you've been sitting in the uh, line for 20 minutes, your family goes from hungry to hangry and you're like, why are we waiting for so long? The New York Times reports that each of us will spend 13 hours per year waiting on hold with customer service. 13 hours per year. They also estimate that for, in this year, you will spend, depending on how much you drive, 36 to 50 hours a year in traffic. I hope you're happy. 36 to 50 hours per year waiting. But this example, I think, resonates with all of us, or maybe most of us in the room, because if you're like me, you are a diehard, loyal, passionate, but frustrated Dallas Cowboys fan. Amen. And we've been waiting 27 years for one more Super Bowl. Please, Jesus. We've changed the coaches, we've changed the stadium, we've changed the players. At this point, all we have is divine intervention. Like, it, God, if you don't step in, it may be 37 more years before we change what's been happening. Lord, please do something. We are waiting. But it seems like waiting is a part of something that is something we have to do constantly in our lives. But what if I were to tell you that waiting and your faith actually go hand in hand? Waiting, seasons of waiting and your faith walk hand in hand together. And as we study the genius of Jesus, we're going to see in this passage how God actually uses seasons of waiting for a purpose. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. We're going to start with verse 21. Mark chapter 5, I'll give you some backstory. Jesus uh, has just came, come back from uh, delivering a man who was full of demons across the other side of the sea. And so Jesus is now on this boat, and he's returning back with his disciples. And so imagine you're one of the disciples, and you've had this amazing experience. This man's been delivered, and yet you get back in the boat. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says that there was a crowd that began to gather at this uh, where, where Jesus was coming to. Um, in our modern-day society, it would almost be like uh, a celebrity walking out of a restaurant. There's cameras, and there's people trying to get to Jesus. And so Jesus is now being basically pinned in from every single side. Mark chapter 5, verse 21, it says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, which basically would have been one of the pastors of the modern day, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter 
It's at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed and pressed about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. If you're taking notes, jot that down. For 12 years, she's been waiting for Jesus. She's been waiting for a miracle. And who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she had been healed. Like I said, God uses times of waiting and our faith together. But notice the scripture. This woman had been waiting for 12 years. You know, it's interesting that Jairus comes to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, please, I need you to heal my daughter. Please, Jesus. I imagine, if you will, this man is at the feet of Jesus saying, please do something. I don't have much time. And so Jesus agrees to go with him to heal his daughter. And yet on the way there, Jesus is basically uh, surrounded by these people who have now, they're pressing and they're trying to get to him. And imagine the anxiety Jairus felt in that moment. He doesn't have time to wait. It probably felt like every second was an eternity. Probably thinking to himself, like, please get out of the way. Please, uh, I need to get through. Please let Jesus through to get to where I am. And yet he's waiting. Here's what I find interesting. I'm like, Jesus, you're the same one who walked on the water. The Bible says that at one point there was a crowd that tried to kill Jesus and he walked right through them. This is the same Jesus that can part the seas. Why is it that he let Jairus wait? Why is it that Jesus had him waiting? Why would this woman have to wait 12 years to experience a miracle in her body? Again, imagine the stress that Jairus felt. I think we all relate to this. We start praying and asking God, God, would you do this for me? God, I need this. God, I'm desiring this. And we start over here at point A. And yet we start and we start praying and we're asking God and yet we go through a process of now the in-between. I'm waiting for an answer. I'm waiting, God, would you do this miracle? God, my marriage is on the rocks. God, I have a loved one that's far from you. God, I'm trying to get to point B. But oftentimes what happens, we want to rush the process of waiting. Maybe you need peace in your mind. Maybe you need freedom from an addiction. Maybe it's peace from anxiety and depression. But the genius of Jesus that we see, if you're taking notes, jot this down, is that God is always working while you are waiting. God is always working while you are waiting. You say, well, why does God make us wait? It's not because Jesus is unkind or cruel. Actually, it's the opposite. You see, I've heard it said that God's delays are not his denials. I like to add this. God's delays are not his denials. They are development seasons. They're development seasons. You see, what happens is that when you're in the in-between of waiting and you're asking God for a miracle, God begins to work not only on the answer, God begins to work on you. God begins to work inside of you. You see, the purpose for each of us is to become more and more like Christ. And there's this word that we don't like to use in our modern society called patience. Oh, man, that word is nasty. But yet we see in Galatians chapter 5, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. 
James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, to let patience or endurance, let it have its perfect and complete work in you. Oftentimes, we want to, again, rush the process of getting through something. But what we have to see is that God is almost saying to us, hey, I'll get to the answer. I'll get to the miracle. But first, before I want to do things for you, but I want to do things in you first. Come on, maybe you're praying for a miracle and your faith is at a a low point. We're going to get there in a minute. I want to encourage you today that God is at work on the inside of you. It is God's goal for you and I so that by the time that we get to our last moment here on this earth, that the work inside of us that Jesus has done is now complete and we step into eternity. That is the goal for each one of us. And it's important for us to realize that. Sometimes it's in the seasons where we've been waiting for the longest Uh, the answer to come for our prayers or a miracle to take place. It's in those seasons that we grow the deepest in our pursuit to know Christ more. Would you agree to that? It's sometimes it's in the waiting where God, I've been waiting for a miracle. Jesus, I need, I need healing in my body. It's been so long. And yet God does his best work while we wait. He does his best work while we wait. You notice that Jesus, he wasn't in a rush. There wasn't like an Israel Uber that Jesus could call and say, hey, I need a ride from the sea to Jairus' house. Jesus was walking everywhere he went, everywhere at his own pace. Don't you wish sometimes that God would get on our time frame? Like, Lord, please. Like, I've been praying for this. Like, could you please hurry up? And yet we see that Jesus moves at God moves at his own pace. We want to rush ahead of him, and yet God is trying to teach us not just how to get to a miracle. He's teaching us how to walk, moving with him, walking with him. So maybe it's less about us getting the needs that we want and the desires that we want. And again, Jesus teaching us how to walk as he changes us from the inside out. Let's go back to verses 35 through 40. Mark chapter 5. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing. And when he entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, just sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. If you're taking notes, jot this down. The genius of Jesus is that we see that the right relationships lead to the right perspective. The right relationships will always lead to the right perspective. You see, in moments of waiting, in seasons of waiting, it's easy for our faith to slip and fade. Would you agree? Anybody been there before? I've been there where it's like I've been praying and asking God for a miracle, and yet my faith seems to dwindle over time. I go, we go through times of, God, I'm, I'm asking you for this, but yet it seems like I'm not getting anywhere. Are you ever going to answer 
my prayer. I'm sure that Jairus went from a place of, all right, Jesus is coming. We finally got to my house. And yet when he hears that his daughter has died and he sees the people out in front of his house wailing and grieving, I'm sure Jairus said, it must be over. She's gone. It's over for me. His perspective began to change, going from hopeful and, and full of faith to now he's concentrating on the circumstances. He's seeing that, wait, it's over for me now. But I love that Jesus steps in and he says, don't be afraid, only believe. Only believe. Jairus' perspective began to change from a place of faith to a place of doubt. You see, historians tell us that back in these times, that if, if someone was grieving, if something had, had happened or someone had died, you could call basically a professional company. And that company would send out people who would come to your house and they would basically wail and grieve for you. And so Jairus is in, pulling up to his house and these people, these professional uh, <coughs> company people, really, they're not there to agree with him because they love him. They're there basically to get a paycheck. And so Jairus is in front of his house and he's seeing these people grieving and wailing. And Jesus says to them, hey, 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 she's not dead. She's asleep. And the Bible says that these people laughed and mocked Jesus. You see, what I love about this is that the Bible says that Jesus put them outside. If you study the original language, you see that Jesus was peaceful, but he was not passive because Jesus, the Bible says, forcibly moved them out of the room and brought in people of faith. Come on, sometimes you need people in your life that will help you build your faith. Sometimes you have to let go of some relationships and some friendships that have a negative perspective, and you need people in your life that can say, no, 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 don't let your faith go, go bad. Don't let your faith fade away. God is still faithful. He's still trustworthy. You need to surround yourself with people who have the right perspective. Amen? You have to surround yourself with the right relationships and seasons of waiting. It's not enough just to have people that say, oh, yeah, yeah, that whole prayer thing, that's cool, that's great, that's cute. No, you need people that you can call and say, look, I'm going through something. I'm waiting on God for a miracle. Will you stand with me? Surround yourself with the right relationships. You need people whose perspective says that all things are possible with Christ. You need people with the perspective that say, you know what? God says that nothing is impossible for him. You need people in your life that will stand with you, that will surround you and say to you, look, I know you're going through something, but the truth of God's word says he's still faithful. He's still faithful. You need relationships and community around you that can speak the truth and power of God's word to you when it feels like your faith is gone. You see, it is vital, hear me, it is vital for you and I to live in community with other believers. I'm glad that you were here on this Sunday morning, this beautiful Sunday. The Bible says don't forsake the gathering of the saints. We need to be here on a Sunday morning. If you're part of our online community, we love you, we greet you, but if you're in the area, be here with us. We need you here every single Sunday. Not just to pay the light bill, but we need each other. We need what God has placed on the inside of each other, but hear me. Sundays should not be the only day that you interact with other believers. Sundays should not be the only day that you live in community with other believers. God has specifically designed us to live in community with people that can speak faith into any situation. 
So it's important for you on a Tuesday to have people that you can call and say, hey, will you pray with me? Will you stand with me? Will you help me with this? It's important for you to have people in your life that you can call at 2.30, 3.30 in the morning and say, look, I'm going through something right now. I'm experiencing doubt and fear. Will you pray with me? Will you stand with me? It's important for you to have the right relationships so that you can have the right perspective. That's why it's important for you to, uh, if you haven't yet, go through our Align class. Not just so you can hear the vision of the church, but also so that you can find your place to serve in this ministry. And that God, over time, begins to put people in your life. Strategic relationships begin to walk into your life as a result of going through the Align class. If you're not part of a small group, it's important for you to be in a small group. Why? Because you need people. It's easy in our culture just to operate almost in a silo or on an island, but I can tell you that is toxic to your spiritual health. It's important for you to be surrounded by other believers. Pastor Brandon mentioned if you have a small business or Oaks Business Network, be here. Surround yourself with the right people that as you're trying to get your business started, you need people that can speak faith to you and say, look, I know you're going through a hard time. I know what the news says about a recession, but I know what God says about he can do all things. He can get that business off the ground. You need people that will surround you and speak faith to you. You say, Travis, I, I've been hurt by people, man. I, Travis, I, I've been offended by people. Travis, you don't understand. I don't want to get hurt again. Now, I, I, I've been wounded by other people. And listen, I get it. I understand. We could spend the next couple of hours going around the room sharing stories about how we've been hurt and wounded by people. We could spend the next couple of days, if you will, story after story of church hurt. It's a very real thing, unfortunately, because we're all people and we're all flawed. But listen, more than me getting it, Jesus understands. The Bible says that he was the man of sorrows, acquainted with many griefs. Can you imagine what Jesus felt being nailed to a cross for the people he created? God understands. I've been hurt by people, but I want to encourage you today with this. The amazing thing is that Jesus will often use other relationships to act like medicine for your soul and heal the wounds in your heart. So if you're in this place and you're saying, Travis, I don't want to be in community because I don't want to get hurt again, I want to encourage you to drop the guard and bring in the right relationships and the right friendships. And sometimes you may have to let go of some friendships as well. If your marriage is struggling, I encourage you, don't hang around people that have a negative view of marriage. Get around some people that say, look, I know it's tough right now, but I know God can restore. I know God can heal your marriage. I know, I know God can do the impossible. Well, Travis, I've got a loved one I'm praying for, and it seems like the more that I'm praying for them, the further they get from Jesus. You need to be around people that can tell you, no, 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 God's still saving. He's still rescuing. He's still delivering. He can still save that person. It's not over yet. Don't you give up. You need people in your life that can stand with you, that can speak the word of God to you. Y'all, I brought my, uh, my, my preaching towel with me, okay? The, the summertime is not friendly to the bald brotherhood, and so uh, I, I brought my, my preaching towel. I need someone on the organ up here with me, and I get some tambourines, and we can, we can get to town now, okay? Don't let these glasses fool you, okay? 
You need the right relationships in your life. You have the right perspective. Lastly, the genius of Jesus shows us that we need to choose to develop an even though type of faith. I like to call it an even though type of faith. You see, Jairus is in the room with his daughter who has passed away, surrounded by Jesus, a couple of disciples, and his wife. Jairus easily could have looked at the situation and said, Jesus, I don't know, I don't know if anything can come out of this. Jairus uh, is seeing that it's, it's basically over. The woman with the issue of blood, she had been sick for 12 years. She had experienced uh, pain and suffering in her life. The Bible says she spent everything that she had and yet still grew worse. There's a story in the scriptures where Jesus goes to heal Lazarus. And Lazarus had been dead for days. And yet Jesus shows up. He spent two extra days waiting to get to Lazarus. Lazarus is in the grave. The stone is there. The Bible says uh, that even Martha was like, Lord, don't roll away the stone. He's been dead. The stench, the odor that's going to come from that grave. You see, in our lives, it's easy. It can seem like the waiting that Jesus has us on. Uh, Jesus is waiting to answer our prayers. It feels like wasted time. Again, maybe you've got a marriage that's falling apart. Maybe it's a business. You, again, you're so passionate about but you can't seem to get off the ground. But as I was praying uh, this week, I really felt the Lord impress upon my heart that there are people here today that you've had a dream in your heart that's died. You've had a dream in your heart, a, a prayer request that you buried deep down inside and you thought, God, will this ever come to pass? And yet, man, and maybe you're online and you're saying, that's me. I'm here to tell you today that you may have had a dream inside of your heart that has died. But we serve a God who brings dead things back to life. That Jesus can resurrect. He can bring back that dream. I'm here to tell you today that it's, it's important for you to develop an even though type of faith. Meaning that even though the circumstances say this. Even though the circumstances say that it's over. Even though the circumstances say that it's impossible. We serve a God that says that nothing is impossible for him. We serve a God that says, you know what, even when it seems like it's over, even though it seems like it's going, it's not going to work out for you just yet, Jairus, it seems like your daughter is, is gone, Jairus. Little do you know that the same God who spoke the universe into existence has now walked into your house. Jairus, I know it seems like it's over for you, but the same God who said, let there be light, and there was light, has now walked into the room with you. And so it's important for you and I to develop an even though type of faith. Because there'll be times when you're waiting on God and you're saying, God, where did you go? The circumstances say that, God, it seems like it's over. But it's important for you and I to choose to say, I choose to believe in you, Jesus. Not just an idea about who you are. I choose to believe the truth of your word. I choose to believe in spite of my circumstances. I want to invite the worship team back up. I'm closing. I want to share with you the story of, like Pastor Brandon said, I, I became a new father a couple weeks ago. Thank you. Thank you. You see, about four years ago, my wife and I, we had just gotten married and we were so excited and, uh, man, we, we were so happy to be together finally. Uh, six-month engagement. We're finally married, and our life is just getting started. 
And I remember we decided to wait a few months uh, before starting our family. And so we were in this place of like, you know, we're, hey, we'll wait a few months. It's all good. So that time came. We tried to start our family and not, not happening just yet. And so we spent the next year uh, trying to figure out what was going on. And so we're in a place of waiting, trying and nothing's happening, waiting on God. Praying and asking, Lord, you've got to do something. Lord, we're, we're, we're coming to you and we're, we're, we ask you for this. And yet, nothing's going right. And so my wife and I, this isn't just a message that I came up with. This is something that we've been living, that we process. We have a, a small group of community that we walk with, that we process major decisions with. These are people that we live alongside, that they spoke the word of God to us, and they said, don't you dare give up, that God can do all things. They spoke the truth to us in love, but they also spoke the word of God to us in faith. And so we uh, are trying to start our family, and I went to the doctor. I was having some, just some body uh, pain and some issues and some health issues, and so I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, hey, let's do a couple tests. Let's see what's going on. And the doctor came back to me and he said, hey, I found something. I said, okay. He said, uh, the only way for you to have children is through in vitro, through IVF, which was a shock. Because I, I, I didn't know what that was. I, I, I know of a couple that went down that road, but I've never experienced anything close to anything like that. And so we're in this place of now we started here praying and asking God for a miracle to start our family. And now we're walking in this process of waiting and consistently waiting. And so if you know anything about in vitro or IVF, uh, you have to give shots to yourself. And so my wife is a superhero because she gave herself shots every day, sometimes a couple times a day. We're waiting, trying to stand in faith, trying to believe. But to be honest with you, my faith began to slip, began to fade. I, I didn't think a miracle could happen. So I'll fast forward in the story. Uh, we're going through this process and my wife comes home one day and she's so happy. She has this big smile on her face. We were pregnant. So happy. That was a Friday. The doctor said, hey, I want you to come back on Monday. Just get some follow-up done. And so, yeah, no problem. We'll be there. By that Monday, her numbers had dropped, meaning that the pregnancy was lost first miscarriage took some time off said okay God we choose to believe we're going to stand in faith we have an even though type of faith that doesn't that doesn't feel good and, and we cried and we, we we held hands and we're like God I don't know what to do but we choose to trust you anyway repeat the same process a few months later she comes home very very happy very excited even brought 
a little box of shoes home to say, hey, we're pregnant. So happy. Doctor said, hey, come back for some follow-up. No problem at all. We'll be there. Came back. This time, the numbers, went, they were so high that the pregnancy was solidified. We knew that we had a baby in there, and yet we went back, and the numbers had dropped again. Second miscarriage. I remember that day specifically because it was a Friday. We ordered pizza. We locked ourselves in our bedroom. We watched TV on the iPad. We ate our pizza with tears pouring down our faces. That Saturday, uh, I remember my wife and I, we woke up, joined hands to pray. And for the first time in my entire life of following Jesus, I opened my mouth and nothing came out. It seems like the words got stuck right here. I told my wife, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. All the anger, all the frustration, all of the, why am I waiting, Jesus? Couldn't come out. And again, our community stood with us. And said, don't you dare quit, God. Don't you dare give up. Currently, right now, those two little boys that you saw on the screen are currently napping because they had too much milk. But I want to encourage you today. Listen, I, I forgot to mention this. Several years ago, I was in a meeting and a man, a pastor turned to me with a prophetic word and he said, God gave me a dream where you're holding a boy that looks like you. He's light-skinned, but he looks like you. That was several years ago. And to be honest with you, that dream died in my heart. Two or three years ago, I thought it was over. And yet when I leave church this morning, I have to feed two babies. I'm here to tell you, if you felt like, I've been praying for a long time, Travis, a long time, and I'm still waiting. I want to give you a moment. What I feel like the Lord put in my heart to say is that that dream that you've given up on is resurrected. That request that you've had in your heart, that you're like, I, I, will this ever happen? The Holy Spirit is here to meet that need. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how, but I know one thing, that the Holy Spirit, that the genius of Jesus that we see is that nothing is impossible for him. The genius of Jesus that we see is that you can be in an atmosphere of faith and miracles can take place, they can happen. I don't, I don't know what it is for you, but for I want you to do this. We're gonna pray here in just a second. I want you to stand in faith. I want you to choose to believe that nothing is impossible, even if it doesn't happen today, that God has not given up on that request. God is, he has heard your prayer. And that, that if that dream has died on the inside of you, if that dream has died and you said, you know what, it's over, it's impossible. I wanna tell you that resurrection power is here now and it's available in this atmosphere. Amen. Amen. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give you an opportunity. You say, Travis, I have a need in my life. 
I need God to intervene. I need God to move in my life. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. No one's looking around. Just raise your hand and say, I, 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 need, I have a need in my life. Hands going up all across the room. God, I thank you so much that you've heard our prayer. God, I thank you that resurrection power is available. God, I thank you for the miracles that you have done in our lives previously. And so, God, we bring our needs to you right now. And God, we choose to trust you. We choose to have an even though type of faith that the circumstances, God, it may seem like it's over, but God, we know that all power resides in you. God, we choose to trust you. We choose to believe that, God, nothing is impossible for you. So, God, you know every need. You know the details of every need. And so, Father, right now in Jesus' name, we ask you to meet every need, that every hand that's raised. Father God, you know exactly what it is. God, meet every need. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Come on, keep your head bowed, keep your eye closed. If you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity in this place. We're all going to pray together, but if you have not accepted Christ and you're saying, Travis, I want to know about this God that you keep preaching about. This is now your opportunity. Maybe you are the answer to someone's prayer. Someone's been praying for you to come to know the Lord. Maybe you're on our online community and you need Jesus. Come on, let's all pray this together. Say, Lord, come on, say, Lord, I choose to believe that you died on a cross for my sin. I choose to believe that you resurrected from the grave. Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. I choose to live for you. From this day forward, I am saved. Walk with me, talk with me, and lead me in a relationship with you. In your name we pray. Come on, we all said, Amen, amen, amen. Give God a great hand this morning. Amen. Before we take off out of here, I want to speak a blessing over you, and I'll turn it to Pastor Brandon. God, I thank you for every single person in this room. God, I thank you for Oaks Church. God, we ask that this will be a house, God, that is known for miracles, signs, wonders. God, we thank you so much that you are building something great here at Oaks Church. God, we love you. We give you all praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks for listening and have a great week.